action. Hey there, movie kings and queens. Welcome to episode 261 of The Real Game Movie Show. I'm your host, Mike Lovins, and with me as always, my killer co-host, Ryan Provost. Howdy, Mike. Hey, Ryan, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. You look different this week. Did you change your hair? I, uh, yes. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> new wig. New wig. New wig, new me. Perfect. Um, yeah, so this week, we are talking about The Killer, uh, which is... The new David Fincher movie, and it's a made-for-Netflix movie. Did have a little bit of time in the theater, but it is on Netflix now for people to go and watch. Um, And uh, quickly, the the synopsis. After a fateful near-miss, an assassin battles his employers and himself on an international manhunt he insists isn't personal. Um, So it stars Michael Fassbender, who... Has been it, it? It seems to me has been kind of out of the spotlight for a little while, but anyway, he's got this movie, and then he's also got the new Taika Waititi movie, uh, uh, Next Goal Wins. Very different vibes. Very different. But I'm I'm glad to see him back out. Glad to see him with no shirt on in this movie. My goodness, that too. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So he's a very fit man. But then I look at like some of the things he does in this movie and i think about the kind of lifestyle he must live and it's you know if that's the lifestyle you have to live to have that kind of body then i'm i'm in i'm not interested i'm good well there, and there's even points in the movie the, the majority of this movie is voiceover he's his character speaks very little yeah majority of his voiceover and there's even points where he talks about uh going to mcdonald's for a quick 10 grams of protein but you know it, it's like i don't think he's getting fries he's he even took the bread off of his sandwich getting into little details here but i mean it's, it's just like you can tell this character is very uh, uh disciplined disciplined thank you that's in the... a way that i lack yes <laughs> fully uh same same yeah. um but you know so the last film that david fincher did was was mank i can't remember if we specifically talked about that one or not I forget. I'm, I'm sure we did in the like sense the of like Oscars. Oscars yeah. And it was that weird. It was 2020. We were all in a weird space then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but how does this movie compare to you with, with other David Fincher movies? This is my favorite kind of David Fincher movie. Like, okay. I, I thought this was really, really good. I like this a lot. Like, I love this movie. It's going to be one of my favorites of the year. It was... Yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, there's the, the... The way that this movie does... Like I mentioned, like, the, the voiceover. he de- the, His character doesn't speak a lot. And I think that really works, too, with the kind of person that this is. Well, David Fincher is really interested in who a person is to their core. And if you think about his movies, his movies do use a lot of a person's inner voice explaining their motivations. It happened. He does this device in Gone Girl and Fight Club. He does it a good bit in Seven. I believe there's a, there's a bit of it. I think he uses it probably the most to the most effect in this movie, but he 
he's very interested in the inner workings of people like this. And yeah, I, I thought it was uh, a very good use. I feel like there can be some bad use of internal dialogue. And when this movie started, I was wondering how much of this movie is going to be this. But then as it went on and I was like, I I totally get why he's doing this. It makes perfect sense. And I, I'm here for it. Yeah. Unlike the Marvels that we talked about last week, this movie is very character driven. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is. Um, and, and it, and it works really well. And specifically this character, like, yeah, he is in almost every frame of this movie. We see this movie, like it is told exclusively from his perspective. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and, and even, like, if you look at the cast list, Michael Fassbender and Tilda Swinton are probably the only two names that you're even going to recognize because it's very insulting to uh, the other people in this who, <laughs> if any of their family members or friends listen to this podcast, they're going to be very If upset. you are, I'm sorry, but it's also not untrue. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I do wish that, uh, like, after watching this, um, I, I, I feel like I need to revisit more David Fincher movies because like, I know I, I've seen Mank, I've seen Fight Club, Alien 3, Social Network, Gone, uh, Gone Girl, Zodiac 7. I've seen all of those, but I feel like I haven't really giving them, given them their, their due. And, 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 you know, it was just kind of like a lot of these are movies that I've just kind of scene they were they were on i don't think i've ever seen a david fincher movie in the theater except for alien 3 <laughs> yeah it's so funny i you mentioned social network and i completely forgot about that one because i always think of social network as um uh more hollywood than a no uh uh gosh aaron sorkin movie oh. than a david fincher movie because yeah. of the writing in that yeah. movie but i think it's the blend of Aaron Sorkin's writing with David Fincher's directing that make it such a perfect, wonderful movie. Uh, But it doesn't make me think of a David Fincher. Like when I think of David Fincher, I think of more like Fight Club and Seven and Gone Girl and this. Uh, Because I like the thrillers that he does. I think he makes some of the best, most thrilling movies. Uh, Best thrillers, definitely, uh, that we get and I think Fight Club might be the only one that I've really like purposely like rewatched and 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 stuff. So um, that from your uh, straight days before you came out, sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, but to secretly see Brad Pitt and you know stuff shirtless. And David Venture does get very intrigued by the male physique. I mean. I think some of the most famous gay scenes we get in uh, film are uh, Brad Pitt shirtless in Fight Club, the glimpse of uh, Ben Affleck's dick in Gone Girl, (laughs) Girl. and then Michael Fassbender in this. I think in Gone Girl, don't you also get uh, some uh, Neil Patrick Harris dick too? No, I think that was just your fan fiction. Oh. Probably. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, actually, I did I did start to look. I wanted to see, is is David Fincher gay? Uh, or does he just like to give us some candy on screen? <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I thought that this movie had a really... Like, it, it's... The movie is almost like... It's it's chapter-driven, you know? So it, it, it feels like it's a book that's being played out on, on the screen. You know, they literally have, like, chapter markers and then an epilogue. And, um... Well, I think it was adapted from, uh... Oh, yeah, it's adapted from a graphic novel. Yeah, so, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it makes sense that it would be yeah. set um, up that way. But it feels like, like, I'm so, I'm very glad that this was a movie and we watched it. But it felt like it could have been broken up into, like, a limited series and each of those chapters been, like, an episode or something like Listen, that. Listen, stop. No, I'm not saying. Stop. I, I, no. I, I love my movies. I'm stop glad to... <laughs> that they made it into a movie. I'm just saying. Don't put that in the universe. <laughs> We don't need that. We, yeah. Um, but it, it opened so strong, though, too. Like, I felt like that that first scene really, like, hooked me in. Yeah. It it it, it was... Uh, that's where this movie it, it just does such a great job of establishing character through that... that dialogue that's written yeah. whereas like i told i told you off off mic before we started recording that i just watched uh renfield yeah which came out earlier this year which i thought was delightful but not a well-written script like there's a point in that movie where to establish aquafina's character the chief of police goes Basically, does the your father was a member of this force, and yeah. you're trying to follow his footsteps, and like establishing her character through yeah. this really weird, not at all how a real human being talks. Like, right, right. it's just exposition, exactly. Uh, and whereas it really stood out to me when I was watching Renfield because I had just watched The Killer and. This does such an amazing job of establishing who this character is throughout the entire movie. Yeah, we get little bits through throughout that um, that they're they're able to just give us more more organically. Yeah, and it's just such an interesting uh, inspection of who this person is I, and really this movie is about perfectionism and those people who in your life who you know who like everything has to be just so and just perfect and this movie starts with a fuck up right like he fucks up uh because even though he just took us through like every little thing he does to make sure he doesn't fuck up from monitoring his heartbeat when he is uh getting ready to assassinate somebody to like the whole routine that led up to it putting on on gloves putting on a a jacket that he can throw away that gets gunpowder on it or something or you know it just and then the whole rest of this movie is him dealing with the aftermath of that fuck up and trying to clean up the mess yeah uh and yeah it just uh as someone who in some ways can be that kind of type a person but in other ways i'm not i really appreciated this movie for that uh that kind of character study that uh-huh. it is. It just really resonated. And I thought was truly uh, just so well done and very amazing. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, like, like I said, it's just 
what we learn about him th- throughout there's we don't have to get some kind of exposition dump or whatever it's just it's it's all organic and we learn more about his perfectionism through his mistake yeah well and he keeps like throughout the movie there's the mantra he has about like don't have empathy. Yeah. Stick to the plan. They don't keep repeating improvise. that. Yeah. He repeats it verbatim throughout the movie. But what's driving him is trying to get retribution and revenge for them coming after his girlfriend, which is all emotional, which is all about like, uh, that's all improvisation, improvisation. Yeah. It's all like going off script because he's mad about, uh, this act that happened after he fucked up and he's feel, probably feeling a good amount of guilt that his fuck up led to his girlfriend getting almost killed. So he's trying to like get retribution for that. So very, yeah, just just amazing stuff there. What's funny about the, the thing with the girlfriend is uh, I kind of forgot throughout the movie that she had survived. So like most of the movie... I was watching it like he was trying to get revenge or like avenge her death. And I forgot until the, till the end. Oh no, she actually survived. I don't know if that spoiler, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's not a spoiler. It's, at the very beginning of the movie that we find out she survived. No, no, no. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah. So what I thought was one of the things I found out about this movie was that he, uh, David Fincher had been kind of working on the ideas of this movie for, for over a decade. So I'm not sure when the graphic novel came out, but he'd been working on the idea of this movie for, for over a decade. And I like that he's another one of those directors where like he worked on this movie with his co-writer on seven. The cinematographer was the guy that he used on Mank. And then we had Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross back again, doing, doing the music. I love when directors have that kind of like core group that they like to continue to work with. Yeah, but also it's one thing to have that core group. It's another thing to like take stuff you've done with, uh, you know, whether it's cinematographers or music or whatever, and take it to a new level or do something new or interesting with it. And I think that he does a good job of he collaborates frequently with uh, some people, but never just does the same thing. Right. I mean, this looks obviously very different than, than Mank. Uh, Mank was black and white. This was in, in color. Um, but there are some beautiful shots. Like some of the stuff, like when he's like looking a, a across from, from one building to the other and just some of the outdoor settings and stuff. There some beautiful shots. Well, David Venture is also the kind of director who everything you see on screen is there for a reason nothing is unintentional everything is super purposeful and while me as a person do not i do not relate with that (laughs) i am i'm a much more uh fly by the seat of my pants in a lot of in a lot of ways than that i do appreciate what it leads to us getting on screen like it's clearly this movie was you know, I feel like David Fincher is the perfectionist that 
uh, Michael Fassbender's character is in this movie too. And maybe this yeah, plays yeah. on some of his anxieties around like, what happens if I fuck one thing up or am I gonna, you know, do I have to chase perfection all the time? Uh, that, I think uh, maybe a little bit autobiographical in some respects. It might not result in the wrong person getting killed, but it might uh, result in the movie not being as good. There you go. <laughs> totally on par with each other, right? Absolutely. Yeah. This movie makes me, you know, I love this movie. I thought it was really great. And it reminds me of another movie that is one of my favorites of all time, uh, which is Kill Bill. Because it's also about an assassin who yeah. uh, gets retribution after uh, something goes wrong. So, which which assassin do you think is uh, the best between uh, Beatrix Kiddo and uh, Michael Fassbender's killer here? Which which is which is more <sighs> your speed? Um, probably. Michael Fassbender's like I liked Kill Bill but there's there's so much that goes on in that like I I appreciate more of the uh the calculated stuff that goes on here yeah and that's that is something that really hit me as I was watching this movie too is I appreciate the level of detail that David Fincher thinks about. Whereas a movie like Kill Bill or like the John Wick movies, which are also a lot of fun about assassins, like they don't care at all about the details. They just care about the Kill Bill cares about some details, but John Wick does not like John Wick's about just the choreography, just the dance of like doing this stuff. I think, uh, John Wick 4 from earlier this year in this movie would be really interesting movies to watch back to back because this movie takes painstaking steps to think through every single uh, motion that it takes to just kill one person yeah. whereas John Wick is just like leaving bodies strewn about in public, no care in the world about if cameras see him or if anything happens. And if you as an audience member ask any questions about, but how does this not? Well, because there's that larger world of assassins that, you know, that can all just be wiped away. David Fincher wants to challenge himself to think through every detail of how does this character not get caught and like even in the in that uh, voiceover, you know, he says something about in this day and age, you're going to be seen. The the trick is making sure you're not uh, noticeable. noticeable. Yeah, that that all is super interesting to me. And so while I love both movies. I love a Kill Bill. I love a John Wick. I love this. This is something I haven't really seen as much. That methodical nature of that profession well and there's only really one like action fight scene in this entire movie the, which is great which is great <laughs> which is a really good fight scene but then you have you know you get that excitement in there and then it's you know it you're, you're kind of rewarded with with that it's not just plastered throughout the entire movie and that's yeah this movie gives me a little bit of everything i like from this type of movie yeah it gives me a great uh, a great fight scene, like a true, like probably it rivals anything that we saw in like uh, John Wick. I, I heard somebody like. say that it's it's the the exact definition of fight to the death. Yeah, 
Like we get that. We get a really good, like some really good, uh, just monologuing. Yeah. Like the Tilda Swinton scene. I love perfection. I loved it. Like uh, it was like the most delicious dessert. Like they talk about ice cream in that scene. That scene is cinematic ice cream. Yeah. Just so perfect. And I don't know if he says, but maybe like five words, the entire scene, it's all her just having a conversation with him, but her doing all the talking and just knowing what's coming. Yes. Oh my God. That scene alone, I feel like Tilda Swinton should get a Oscar nomination for, like, probably one of the best scenes in any movie I've seen this year. Loved it, um, and we get both of those. We get that kind of like thoughtful uh, monologue kind of scene, and we get the like fun. Yeah, I think the scene is even called the brute <laughs> Florida man fight scene, yeah. which so great and, and you know we've we've used this word to describe other movies too but I, I feel like this movie is just it's smart it is it is very smart um would you ever be interested in seeing a movie where because uh, you mentioned kill bill earlier like written by quentin tarantino but directed by david fincher like how do you think that would work no because I think Quentin Tarantino is the kind of person who he needs to direct what he writes because he has such a vision and I would never want anyone but Quentin Tarantino to direct a Quentin Tarantino script. But I mean, it's happened before, but I know, but come on. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, To your point, like we mentioned earlier, Social Network is such an interesting movie and such a good movie because it marries an Aaron Sorkin script with a David Fincher direction and that chef's kiss, beautiful, like amazing stuff. It'd be interesting to see, you know, I don't know, maybe that is an entire episode that we could do where like, who, what is... What are the top screenwriters and director combos you want to see? Like, because I'm, I could probably think on that for a while. Like, yeah. who would I want to like write a script for a David Fincher movie? Because yeah, you got my brain juices going. Now. <laughs> um, well, I, I it's also I don't still too early. Too I'm hard. still drinking yeah. coffee. I'm still trying to. You're, you're making my brain work too hard. I'm Mike. sorry. I'm sorry. It's a smart movie, but I'm not a smart man. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, obviously, I think it's uh, a, a recommend from from both of us here. Oh, high recommend. Like, I, I would say, even if you're not a big David Fincher fan, I, I feel like this movie's a little bit more accessible. Um, like I I feel like this would, could be a good introduction. Uh, to David Fincher if somebody's not really familiar with the other movies. I don't know. If you're not a David Fincher fan, then I'm probably not a fan of you. Like, <laughs> he he's such a good filmmaker. Like He really is. I mean... He's such a masterful filmmaker. And even a movie that, like, Mank didn't really speak to me. It wasn't... It was probably one of my least favorite of the David Fincher movies. But even it is undeniably a, a great film. It's just not for me. Uh, it's probably the least David Fincher of the David Fincher movies. But I don't degree. know. I think David Fincher is such a... He clearly can do he's so many things. Like, he's not limited to just a genre. Although I will say, David Fincher making thrillers is my favorite genre. Yeah. Uh, 
he can do so much other stuff and if still David be great. Fincher's Star Wars movie. Do you think it would work? If David Fincher wanted to get involved in, like, I could see a second season of Andor created uh, and directed by David Fincher that I think would be amazing. Not to take it away from Tony Gilroy, who is also amazing, <laughs> but like, yeah. yeah, I could see, I could see him being in that world and it. Or being a David working. Fincher in the MCU. No. No. <laughs> No, don't, don't. the MCU cannot handle that level of intelligence. I'm sorry. The MCU needs to stay dumbed down. It can't. Yeah. But like a David Fincher secret invasion movie, like he, that you let him make however he wants to make would have been so much better than what we ended up with. I think a David Fincher sci-fi or superhero type movie that's not confined to a pre-existing so not alien three. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> uh yeah, well it's kind of famous how what he thinks about that movie yeah. and um but uh which is so weird that that is literally my introduction to david venture um but but yeah i mean you're you're right though alien three like i, I could kind of see where he could take something and, and, and just like like make a really killer sci-fi. Uh, that's the name uh, of the movie. <laughs> okay. Well, my point's been made. Um, I don't know. Should, should we get to some takes or anything else you want to talk about uh, specifically about the movie? I'm trying to think if there's something I want to say that isn't in my takes. Um no, I, I just I love this movie so much. I could I could talk about it forever, but we can just get into takes. Yeah. Well, real quick, did, did you think at the end he was going to end up dying or did you think that or the way that it ended? Here's what I do think. And I'm glad you bring up the ending. Uh, I guess it's, spoilers, it's, I guess. Yeah. Spoiler alert for for the killer. Uh so the final person he confronts, he recognizes is basically untouchable. Like killing him would be someone you can't kill without facing the consequences of. So it's shown throughout the movie explicitly that if you see if you come across him, you're you're gonna die. Yeah. But this billionaire, powerful person he just get, lets him off with a warning and I thought that was it spoke volumes to the realities of our world <laughs> and was a very interesting wild way to like in this movie yeah. I thought that was such a choice and a really brilliant stroke uh, to leave that character alive I think it speaks a lot to just some ugly truths of our world that David Venture is very interested in. He is very interested in exploring the ugly truths of our world. And I thought that was like a, I'm going to use the word killer point to end <laughs> on. Cause I just thought that was, wow. Like yeah. that, that scene blew me away too. Yeah. I, I was, I was like, Oh, he's actually walking out. Yeah. Uh, but did put enough fear in him where I do believe that, I don't know, though. Like, what's your interpretation? What do you think happens after the movie? Because I feel like it shows him, you know, we end the movie with him and his girlfriend just chilling. 
in where are they? I forget. It said doesn't matter. Yeah. Somewhere remote and beautiful. Uh, do you think anyone comes after him, or do you think he just is able to be off the grid? I think that's it. I think the uh, the guy that he didn't kill uh, changes his underwear <laughs> and is thankful to be alive. And I think he meant what he said that I don't have any actual beef with you. And I I, I think he let it go. Yeah, I don't know. I think someone else might be coming after him at some point, but he's always ready. Oh, the next then in the sequel, Killers. <laughs> uh, no, we no sequels, please. <laughs> God, no. Like, this is a perfect movie. It I doesn't agree, need I a agree, sequel. Yeah. Uh, the scene where he gets the hotel room and he puts the glass, like orders the room oh, service yeah. and puts the glass on the door and the, and the, the tray yeah. on the floor so that if anyone tries to get in, he would like that was those little touches are just again, like a cinematic art like yeah so just such attention to detail that yeah like other movies fun movies that i love that are like assassin kind of movies they don't they don't think through those little touches that david fincher does and is just so cool like i just loved it i thought it was a a great even little things like that just make me so happy well it's funny because like john wick we definitely see him in a hotel uh but you never see him the meticulous setting up his room or even sleeping, you know? So like, yeah, there's just, we, we we're so much more in tune with this character. Yeah. It's, it's just so great. Okay. I'm, I'm done gushing. Let's (laughs) get into takes. Mike, what's your gayest take? Um, you kind of started to alluded to it earlier, but, uh, really just Michael Fassbender just continues to get sexier as he goes. Yeah, he hasn't made a lot of movies in the past few years, and I'm wondering if he just spent that whole time doing, like, yoga (laughs) (laughs) and just, you know, getting into... I mean, he's always been in great shape, but my goodness. He's he's beautiful. Yeah, truly. What's your gayest take? I, you know, we've been talking about appreciating David Fincher, and we think about movies like Seven and Gone Girl and this... But it shocked me to learn, and I am a little embarrassed. I just realized this pretty recently, but David Fincher is also a a director of many music videos. Yeah. David Fincher directed Vogue, the music video for Vogue, and Express Yourself. Yeah. And some Paula Abdul music. Like, he's directed for iconography. Madonna, George Michael. Uh, yeah, he's, he's directed, uh, that's kind of how he got his start. Yeah. So the, to think that the director of Vogue, the music video Vogue, gay iconography of itself yeah. also directed like Fight Club is just so beautiful to me. <laughs> it's just wonderful. And yeah, that I just recently, again, ashamed of myself. I'm glad you brought that up because I I, yeah. I I meant to mention that. But it, it's just great. So yeah, that's that's it for me. Yeah. What's your shadiest take, Mike? Um, my shadiest take is that uh, I, you know, I'm usually the guy, the the guy that's like, this movie deserved to be in the in the theater, deserved a bigger theatrical run. People. I felt guilty that even though I really like this movie, I was so happy to watch it at home. <laughs> Fair. Uh, 
you know, I, I, I was in an altered state while watching some of this movie, too. So it was kind of like. I wasn't going to bring up your altered state earlier when you mentioned that you forgot that the girlfriend was alive, but <laughs> I definitely did think it. And I was going to bring it up after this off mic, but you said it. So now I'm going to say that is exactly why you forgot she was alive. You and your little altered state over there. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, so it served me well to watch this in my recliner. Yeah, uh-huh. sure. <laughs> sure it did. What's your shadiest take? That you watched this movie uh, not sober. Um, (laughs) No, uh, my shadiest take, you know, I was really excited when he pulled up his little playlist. I was like, ooh, what's he listening to? And the fact that it was all the Smiths, I was like, oh, that's kind of boring. There was one song, though, that that he played. It was actually, I think, the first of the Smith songs, uh, which went on to be the theme song to Charmed. And I love that song. So I was kind of glad to hear that. But then the the fact that the rest was the Smiths did kind of... It's like... Okay, like <laughs> that, an interesting choice. But yeah, I'm sure David Fincher has a really deep, amazing meaning behind it. But I was like underwhelmed. Probably, although I could see Michael Fassbender being a Smiths fan. Maybe that's it. oh, who knows? Yeah, uh, who slayed? I mean, it has to be Michael Fassbender. It does, but you could also make a case for Tilda Swinton. Sure. She's so good, but yeah, it's Michael Fassbender. I mean, he's like, like we said earlier in probably 99.9% of the frames of this movie, he's, he's in, if he doesn't sell it, this movie doesn't work. Correct. Yeah. I mean, this is such a, an actor driven movie, like a singular actor driven movie. Yeah, he just he and he's in basically almost every frame of the movie. Like his performance is just incredible. And the fact that Tilda Swinton comes in and holds even a candle to him for a scene is just amazing. They're like, yeah, so great. You know, it's kind of funny. I just realized that. OK, so David Fincher uh, directed what a lot of people think is probably one of the worst alien movies but michael fassbender was like in the alien prequel movies and was probably the best part of those that is that is something (laughs) so who's your no ma'am i will just say i put none you know that is the coward's way out which i almost took as well but i went with uh I went with Carrie O'Malley, who plays Dolores, the the uh, secretary of okay. the lawyer. Oh, okay. Um, she was, and again, this is so nitpicky. She was great. She was wonderful. So I don't even know why. <laughs> I just, I, I, I didn't want to take the coward's way out. I was like, well, if everyone in this movie, I feel like she's the most maybe hamming it up a little too much that's fair could dial it back a little but even that is like i don't feel any genuine sense of that like she's great in this movie there's no bad parts there's no bad performances i'm being the most nitpicky so if carrie o'malley happens to hear this like i don't actually mean it like (laughs) don't listen to my stupid opinion i'm just trying not to be that person who's like there's no no ma'am you know even though there's not there really really isn't yeah yeah I'm just being honest. Yeah. You're just being playing a dick. the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, drag performer. I said have a drag king play the Tilda Swinton role. 
See, okay, I would even go further than that. Like Tilda Swinton, um, uh, uh, gosh, I'm blanking. Who's our person who every time uh, should be a drag queen per- played? Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Thank you. Wow. I. That's how bad I <laughs> need. You more are coffee. having a mic morning. I know. <laughs> I forgot Kathy Bates' name. The legendary, amazing Kathy Bates. Uh, every role Kathy Bates plays should be played by a drag queen. Every role that Tilda Swinton plays should be played by a non-binary drag performer because Tilda Swinton is the most She's like so androgynous, androgynous human that's ever existed. Like you could get a non-binary drag performer to play every Tilda Swinton role and it would make so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, just like like this, this role just in particular, I'm like the short hair, the suit, like it's kind of a masculine role, but she's playing it in feminine like we gotta imagine i mean the world of assassins is probably a very male dominated profession yeah regardless of what movies would have us believe and i mean she has to thrive in this male dominated world which is why she's getting flights of whiskey you know (laughs) like i would you know that's that's what you do yeah uh and i i was actually really impressed with that that too the the flight of whiskey instead of a martini or no, that's beautiful that was I awesome loved that yeah like and the way like little details like the fact that she's inviting michael fassbender in that scene to like enjoy some of this because she's living this life of luxury this beautiful life that he's completely denying himself like he's throwing back a full uh hard egg in his car yeah. just for sustenance whereas she is dining out and like Oh my gosh, I can't believe I haven't gotten ice cream. Like she that's her like regret is that she didn't indulge more in the uh beauties of life whereas he is the most basic, yeah. you know, not taking any moment to enjoy anything. But in that scene, she offers him some stuff and he denies it and she's like to show him she's not poisoning anything for him. There's in the flights of whiskey uh the first one she drinks is the one closest, closest to, to him. him. Yeah. And I think that was such an intentional choice to be like, if I was going to poison any of them, wouldn't it be the one that was closest to you? So I thought that was just a little, yeah. again, and then he does little, end up having one. Does he? Yeah. He had, he had one. He, 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 uh, or was that you, or was that you getting even more inebriated? <laughs> no, I saw he, he, he drank one right before they left, but it was, yeah. So, so great. Oh, and her, again, we're in spoilers now, like her death scene was so amazing, like showing that she had a knife and she was going to go for him and that he knew not to fall for that was. And as he's uh, in his head, you know, recounting his his mantra and. uh, Yeah. Yeah, that was that was great. Uh, I think that might be my that that might be the whole Tilda Swinton scene might be my favorite scene in a movie this year. Like it's up there. <laughs> oh, it was, it, yeah, it was great. That whole sequence was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, drag performer like Tilda Swinton. Anytime she's on screen, even though I would never replace Tilda Swinton in any movie because she is perfection and I love her. But theoretically, but it e- could be <laughs> every role that Tilda Swinton plays could be played by a non-binary drag performer. <laughs> love it uh so i gave it three and a half reels 
oh, so harsh. This is for real. It's like, it, this is, this is perfection. This is uh, great, greatness in movies. Like one of my favorites of the year might even have, after talking about it with you might even have to move it up my list from where I currently have it. Um, Cause yeah, I love this movie. Maybe if I rewatch it, <laughs> in a right state of mind <laughs> clear-headed oh, oh. but listen the fact that i was able to to come out with as much to talk about and give it a three and a half reels just despite my condition at the time of watching it valid that says something about the movie <laughs> says something about you too my friend <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you haven't already, become a real friend and follow us on Twitter at Real Gay and at Real Gay Movie Show on Instagram and Facebook. Got something to say? Slide into our DMs. Also, wherever you listen, please subscribe and never miss an episode. So that's it for this week. Have a real gay day. <laughs>